You're like so gay. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, hey, sexual deviants. <laughs> and sexual deviant wannabes, what's poppin'? Hi, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> what's crack a lackin'? My name's Aaron. And my name is Katya. All right. Just kidding. My name is Matt. <laughs> All right. All right. And if you don't know, Katya is an all-star <laughs> drag queen. Yes. A living legend. And for, uh, yes. Unfortunately, I'm not even uh, <laughs> a 15th as funny as she is. Not otherwise even as funny as her pinky toe. No. Otherwise, this podcast would be number one on the Apple Music charts. But you know what? It could also be number one on the Apple Music charts. Our podcast would never go, be number one on the Apple Music charts, Matthew. Whatever the, the whatever Apple podcast those charts, charts are. <laughs> the Apple Podcast charts. Different but charts. if you honey. guys... <laughs> it's all the same to me, okay? But we could, you know, if you guys shared this with a friend and then rated us five stars. There you go. That was a pretty good Thank segue. <laughs> He's learning, so everyone. Much. I know. Aaron is slowly but surely teaching me the ways of promoting my online content. It's December motherfucking 8th. Well, it's the 7th while we're recording this, but it's coming out on the 8th. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe... Where has this year gone? We don't have to engage with that conversation topic. That is all that anybody's talking about. But... I mean, November, November especially, like, didn't happen, but whatever. Whatever. Let's get to that. Honestly... Take whatever the the thing that's the says, new like, year. Yeah, no, like the you know the clapboard that they do in movies. It's like it's like and action twenty twenty one. Let's go. Oh, what are those things Take called? Two. If you work in television, you should know that. What are those called? I think they're called clapboards. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Clapboard. So... Oh, oh wow! I pulled that. Oh, out look my at ass. you go, Miss I don't girl. know where that came from. <laughs> You work in television. Clapboard is also the siding of a house, according to Wikipedia. I I honestly don't understand what the point of them is. Well, what's new? Anything cool going on? I don't have anything cool going on, so don't even ask. Uh, I finally got the spark back editing the OnlyFans documentary, which is good, because I was hoping we would have it done by, like, October, but... We, we were both just kind of, like, tired. We have, like, 60 hours of footage to go through. But I just found out that multiple other networks are about to release their own and have contacted people that we interviewed to do their projects. So I was like, Shelby, we need to fucking hurry up and release this ASAP because we need to be ahead of the curve and show that we came up with it first so that in the future people will hire us to make movies for them. Boom! So actually, I'll pose this here uh, because I would love any and all thoughts of what people have because initially our plan was to do a shortcut on Chubby's YouTube channel and a longer cut that we would pitch to like Netflix or Hulu or HBO or something, you know, anyone we could, I would sell it to vice. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I'm pretty sure this is, you know what? I don't have enough to back up that comment, so I'm not going to make it. Well, let me, I'll finish my thought. Um, (laughs) Go for it. Thank you. Before I was so rudely interrupted. (laughs) By um, who? If we were to try to pitch it to a network, like we wouldn't be able to put it up on Shelby's channel because they would want exclusivity rights, um, I would imagine. And then it's like, if we want to submit it to a festival, like a movie f- a movie festival, of a film competition. <gasps> like like the Cannes Film Festival? We could go to France. What do you mean, we? 
I'm your production manager. Um, no, but I was looking into <laughs> I like I was looking into like South by Southwest and like all these other ones, but we missed the deadlines and like I don't want to wait a year to upload this because I don't think that it, like if we upload anything anywhere, I don't think that we can then enter it because most of them have to be like premiering at a film festival, I think. Um so I think the best route to take with this because I think with this timing is kind of of the essence because people aren't really going to be talking about OnlyFans forever. I mean, maybe they will. So I'm thinking maybe we do a shortcut on Shelby's channel and then we do a longer cut on Vimeo that people can pay, you know, $3 to rent to watch on Vimeo. And then it'll be in our in our repertoire, in our resume, and we can send it around and be like, look at this, look at what we made. Now hire us and give us a budget and we can make something even better. All right, Matthew, what, what about are your HBO thoughts? Max? What about HBO Max? What if you pitch it to them? Okay. They're like, I feel like everybody's talking about HBO Max right now. because I mean, like if anyone the... listening to this has any connections to HBO Max, I would love to give them a documentary to put on their site, on their on their streaming service. But then again, it's like, that's the, co- the conversation. I think what we need to do, I guess, is just kind of finish it first, like finish the documentary and see how good it is. <laughs> yeah. But like, I but feel like if that's we put a it, good idea. <laughs> if we put it on H, like if we give it to HBO, then it's like, then we can't put it on Shelby's channel or anything or my channel because they'll want all of the rights to the footage and stuff. You know, right? Because they're not going to be like, yeah, let us buy a movie from you. But sure, you can put a twenty-minute version on YouTube for people to watch for free. I don't think that makes sense. Maybe, maybe YouTube Red would like want it, and then people could rent it through YouTube Red. But then there's Ooh. like, this is such an adult topic. You know, we're talking about porn. We're talking about the adult entertainment industry. We're talking about sex work and like the intricacies of it. So, like that's not really YouTube friendly, but it kind of is like YouTube Red might still take it because you have to pay to rent it. So like kids in theory can't really get to it. Like you have to have a credit card in order to watch it. So it's just very like, ah, there are so many different ways that we could go and I'm impatient and I want it to just do really well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is the, I mean, is there visual adult content or is it just no. like... No, no, no. We're shooting So it... I feel like you... Sorry. No, no, you finish. We're sh- we shot it as if it were like a Netflix documentary. Like there's nothing, there's no nudity. We didn't want, cause then it also like that would verge into the territory of like, you know, leaking people's copyrighted content. If we were to like show anything that they're posting on the site. Uh, it's like, so it's just a lot of, and we were like, we don't want to do that. We want it to be more like an informational family friendly PG 13. So that seems like perfect for YouTube then. But YouTube like doesn't even like the like the word porn, and like really? anything related to sex work and stuff, even if it's like informational. Oh. Um, typically, because it's not it, like because it's not quote unquote suitable for most advertisers. It all comes back to the money. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the mm. only thing that propels anything in this country. Yep. Well. If anybody has any suggestions <laughs> or connects, uh, do let Aaron know. Yeah, please. I, I mean, you can let me know too if you want, and I'll pass the message along, but it's probably better just to go straight to the source. Cut out that middleman. Follow your dreams. That's been cut off. Um, that's fine by me. Um, yeah, so now that, well, that's exciting. now that we went on a 10-minute tangent about OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got your spark back. Thank you. Now I'm excited to edit. I'm, it. Gonna... I'm excited to see it. You've been talking about it for so long. I want to 
freaking see it already. I know. Well, if only I weren't doing so many things. Did you read any good tweets this week? No. <laughs> oh. I didn't. Okay. I did I did get a, a fan submission. Um, and by fan, I mean one of my classmates, Katie. But I told her I was going to call this a fan submission. So that's what I'm doing. Um, a friend she, of the pod. Yes, big time friend of the pod. She sent me a tweet from Jake Johnstone that says... <laughs> Today marks a year since I've since I kissed a very attractive twink in Brighton and then found out she was a lesbian who thought I was a lesbian. Oh my god. <laughs> well, the levels to that are outstanding. Uh, and I have another tweet actually. Um this one has been hit or miss with some people, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. So <laughs> I'm just gonna say it anyway. This trans woman on Twitter, Jackie's underscore Backy, <laughs> tweeted, Yes, Elliot Page is trans, but let's not forget, I too am trans. <laughs> but on that topic, big shout out to Elliot Page. Please do not dead name them. Um, always a important moment when... I was very impressed with a lot of the news outlets, though, I will say, um, because I feel like we're finally getting to a point where a lot of the articles I was reading were using the correct pronouns. Like, they were all using he pronouns Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I was like, that's great. That's awesome. Look at that, 2020. We've grown a little bit. Just the teensy tiny bit. And I mean, I'm I'm sure there were articles, actually, that, like, fucked it up. But for a majority, a lot of the ones that I looked at were using the correct pronouns, which are great. Yeah, I saw a lot of people highlighting articles that their headline was like, Elliot Page, star of Juno and the Umbrella Academy. And everyone's like, look, there are so many ways that you can identify a trans person without using their dead name. It is that easy, people. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to see that. Period. So, yeah. Um, and I think that wraps up all the queer news for the week. <laughs> Back to Jake with the weather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think there was something about the this week's episode that you wanted to touch on a little bit before we get into it. That is true. I was editing the episode earlier today, um, and a thought crossed my mind again, because in the episode we talk a little bit about, we kind of touch on um, the laws surrounding what knowingly transmitting a communicable disease, quote unquote. So like the laws around, you know, quote unquote, knowingly transmitting HIV and AIDS. Um, and I think it's about an hour into the episode. So you all, you'll all hear it. But during the conversation, um, part of me wanted to, I like when we're having conversations to try to bring in the arguments that I could see people having to try to like discuss it so that when, when people are listening to the episode, you know, if the thought crosses your mind of like, well, what about this? It's kind of answered before it's even like an issue. So it's all just kind of like a null point, but I couldn't really think of at the time how to ask this. I was, I was worried that asking it would come across as like insensitive. And I think at the end of the day, it just kind of shows like the, the biases that I have that are so like deeply embedded into me, even though I don't really realize it, it kind of made me like look at it a little more uh, intensely, but it's just kind of, you know, it goes back to how I was raised, but basically there's a a point in the conversation where we're talking about, you know, the idea of getting 
tested for HIV and AIDS, finding out that you test positive, and then knowingly withholding that information and, you know, having sexual intercourse with someone else and then transmitting HIV and AIDS to them. And I mean, even still, like, hearing it like that to me is like, of course, that should be, I don't necessarily want to say a criminal offense, but like, I don't know, I think it's kind of like the job of the queer community to kind of protect one another. And that in that moment, in my mind, endangering more of the community, which I can't really support. But I do think that I don't know that much about law. So maybe Matt will have more insight. But like, I feel like having a law like that is so it's such grayscale and so nuanced and I feel like it's probably used in a lot of ways um very negatively and very like maliciously um so I wish I I wish I had asked Austin this and we had had the conversation during the episode but I wanted to bring it up because I still think that it's important an important point of conversation and again just something to kind of look at a little bit deeper and I don't really think that we have an answer for it because neither of us are experts on yeah on laws and i mean the reality of the fact is it's like the this law will probably never affect either of us um and i think that that's another big issue that's at hand is it's like this is predominantly put in place to affect you know the more marginalized communities who are being destroyed by the HIV and AIDS uh, pandemic that's still going on today. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of what you say is is really true. Um, I definitely feel like this is a topic that I need to do more research on before I can, you know, really kind of dive into a, a conversation with kind of fully fledged out ideas about it. Um, I think I mentioned the episode a little bit like it. it's very very briefly touched on in my like first year of law school class and then it's just like it wasn't on the final we talked like two cases about it for like a third of a class one day so that's kind of like a lot of the extent that um I've kind of engaged with the topic but it's I do know that it is really uh, a controversial area it's really kind of difficult like you said to legislate and um I actually texted Austin just to see if like, there was any way that he can give like a brief answer sorry mike like from a law perspective my my big fear is that it, it's it it sounds like it was almost something that was put in place in order to be manipulated so that people can kind of use it how they want to yeah because it i mean it's so i feel like that's one of those things where it's so difficult to like prove intent yeah you know so I think no matter what, I, and I, I texted Austin, um, today's guest, just to see if he had any, like, anything he wanted to add to, like, a very brief conversation on an incredibly uh, detailed, nuanced, and complicated conversation. <laughs> yeah. But um, he said that, you know, in general, HIV criminalization laws, which is kind of the general term that gets used for the types of laws that we're talking about. Um, he said, like, overall, they're a bad thing that work to reinforce stigma and are enforced in really problematic and disparate ways. Um, so, you know, it, it's a it's a continuing conversation. I think it's something that I need to look into a little bit more to be able to, to talk more about it, or to talk more um, fluidly and knowingly about it. But I think it is a really important conversation to have, especially during 
AIDS month when HIV criminalization is happening. Yeah. Or it continues to happen. It's it's very complicated and uh, as most things I'm not are. Pretend to be an expert. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Hopefully, pretend to be an expert on this it. will just like open your mind to it a little bit, and you'll be like, "Wow, I've never really thought about that." Yeah, and I I think Austin talks really. Um, God, what's the adjective I'm looking or adverb I'm looking for? Competently, obviously. Um, I think he speaks really well about HIV and um, like law related things to HIV in this episode. So you know. Don't uh don't don't go hitting Google right now. I would say listen to the episode, hear more of what Austin has to say, um, and the conversation before you kind of jump into this topic if it's not something you've engaged with before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. With I guess without further ado. Yeah, it's kind of a it, it's like a little bit heavy of an episode, but it's definitely like a very important conversation. And I feel like this month is just kind of a heavy month, you know? Oh, for it's sure. It's never easy I mean, to talk I... about this stuff. No, but it's super important. And I I walked away from this episode having learned a lot. Yeah. For sure. So I uh, this was a good one. It was yes. a long one, but it was a good one. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, enjoy. And as always, if you have any comments, concerns, critiques, uh if you love it, uh, DM us. <laughs> we love positive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and we hate negative feedback. Don't give it to us. Put that in a comment and review on Apple. No. Totally fucking kidding. Don't do that, people. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm I'm the reason for the downfall of the podcast. Kind um, of. And and don't you all forget it. Yeah. All right. We're, we're about to get into a fight, so we'll let you guys go. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> so today we have a lovely wonderful friend of mine i think have you guys met in person before i feel like you have I don't know. I'm not sure when. When would would that have been in Atlanta? No, no. in New York. No, I think so. I think. No. No. If it was like a blur of a weekend, then it doesn't really count. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, everybody. <laughs> nice to re-meet you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Never remember yeah. anyone else anyway, right? It's like, true. Yeah. So sure. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yes. We go way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, welcome, Austin. We're so excited to have you. So happy to be here. This is Woo-hoo. fun. Tell us a little bit about you. What's your uh, what's your Tinder bio? Oh, what, what? So my Tinder is currently shut down. Oh. I'm I am living with a Tinder match at the time. Um, what did it say? What a Tinder match of the month. Or if you yeah, were to yeah. write it right now, like what would if if we were what to find you say? on Tinder at this very moment, what would you yeah. have to say now? It'd be something about being like a recent Southern transplant, you know, because I'm mm. new to this part of the country. You had a transplant. So, something about a transplant, something about a like, deep fried something, something about mm. gumbo. I have oh to think about God. it. I'll workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good. For, it used to, it, speaking about a coffee, used to say recently switched from coffee to tea, which is a great conversation starter. Everyone had something to say about it. That, oh, that's also, true. Is, the gays love their iced coffee. Mm. They do. Yeah. 
Um, you said you moved down to the South. Where did you move from and where are you living now? I moved from Brooklyn, New York to New Orleans. I'm living oh in the God. French Quarter. Oh, that's um, so fun. It's so dreamy and so beautiful. And How's your liver doing? Really incredible change of scenery. Liver's okay because of COVID. Okay. Um, this is, it's a, obviously terrible that this is all happening, but the bars are all closed and it gave us a chance to really kind of get our bearings um, and good. not be out every single day. That's good. Which I'm, I'm pretty grateful for. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's been incredible. It's sunny, it's warm, myrrh. Um, it was like in the 70s until this week. Oh my it's gosh. so charming and so beautiful and the history is so interesting. It's just like a good, a cool place to be. American Story Coven. Yeah, really. And yep, Coven obviously is a big reason why I wanted to move down here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so gay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we walked by the house like in the first week of moving, we like went and found the Coven house, obviously. It's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the, um, uh, Madame Lalaurie, that murderous woman oh, from yeah, the show. That, bitch. that house is like a block and a half from our apartment. Oh my god! Kind of Watch bad. out! Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's super creepy. Is it a museum super now? Um, it's been closed. I don't. I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's like a private residence. Nicholas Cage used to own it, which is super weird. Why would you want to own all that? people? Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Fits. Like it's so fits. weird. He also he also has a Nicholas Cage also has a a pyramid shaped like mausoleum for himself just like pre-built on reserve for when he dies in a cemetery around here is he from new orleans also very respect I don't, I don't think so i think he just liked it a lot yeah i don't know i don't think so i yeah. i get it's it. been great I, I get the the fascination i love new orleans it's so cool i've never been before um until we drove down here to move here Wait, we saw you just an moved apartment with, like blind just got got up and went. So we saw a place on FaceTime, found a broker on Instagram. <laughs> saw, oh my God. Wait, that's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, we saw an apartment on FaceTime. We were like, this looks cute and it's half as much as New York. So we'll see you in about two weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been, incre- it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So since then, we've purchased a car, gotten a second dog, living this like small city fantasy. Oh my so are God. you working remotely? Like, are you doing the same job that you were doing just yeah. from the South? Yeah, so I'm doing the same job that I was doing up there. Um, it's been, it was remote before. It being remote, oh. like, facilitated us coming down here in the first place. Okay. And then my boyfriend is expanding his company. He has an architecture design firm um, that he is oh. expanding down That's to dope. New Orleans and South Florida. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. Well, when you say that it was remote before, you mean it was, like, remote during COVID. Exactly, before. yeah. It was remote as of, like, you know, March 15th, 2020. It's right. been remote ever since. Yeah. Oh, it, um, it became remote. It became remote. In the face of the pandemic. And yes. then you're, you're just staying, like, you, you'll that's just stay just, remote indefinitely. That's, I mean, you know, there, one day will come when they ask us to come back and we're going to have to have a, a complicated a conversation. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You could just be like, yeah. hey, look, I didn't ask for a relocation fee. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I saved you some like, money. This has been working fine so far. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We'll see. I'm not really worried about it. I've also, in 2020, I've given up on planning anything. I'm yeah. like follow, following my flow. All I'm trying to do is like make it, you know? Literally <laughs> one day at a time. Literally one day at a time. So if this feels good right now, I'm going to do it. And if it gets complicated later like okay that's gonna be like one weird hour of my life during which i'll just like rearrange a couple of things yeah jeez you know whatever yeah 
So, so where are you from originally? Yeah, I was going to say, let's I'm back from up. Seattle, Washington. Yeah, we'll take it way back. I'm a Taurus. I was born May 19th, 1989 <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Um, grew up there. I went to college in California at Santa Clara University in the Bay Area. Mm. Um, and then I went to, uh, I lived in D.C. I interned in D.C. briefly. And then I went to New York for law school. And so I just where did you study in college? What did I study? Mm-hmm. I did political science and English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. College is a weird experience. Feels like a million years ago. Uh, finished one. a little early. Yeah. I mean, you, you just wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I, did, I didn't know what to do after I graduated, which is what so many people who go to grad school do. You know, it's like a common situation. So uh, I just so kept you, doing school. Didn't know what to do, so you just went to Columbia Law, you know? I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like something. Uh, and bitch. that was an interesting experience. That's <laughs> a few really, like, formative and horrific years. I really would not, wouldn't recommend it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a cool learning experience, and I think it... Um, gave me a lot of important perspective about things that I do and don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gave me, I think I did it to move to New York, which was like the primary purpose. And um, that was like, I mean, I don't know, spending my 20s there was really incredible. Uh, but it was time to go. So here I am slowing down, warming up, thinking about what's next. I don't know. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's really how it feels. Like, I sit on like my little... I've, like outdoor space now which is so wild but I sit out there and like drink my little coffee and read a book and like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah we're we're moving slow I don't know what happened if you told me five years ago this would be the case I wouldn't have believed you this is a great year to move slowly yeah really oh my god it's all about it the whole, I just wanted like it's about survival like Absolutely. this is yeah I don't care about anything else mm-hmm. yeah yeah so when did you we're just gonna jump right into it do it yeah. jump. when did you come out when did you kind of like realize that you were gay or however you yeah. identify what is your identity sure yeah what, what is my identity oh, that's so it's all complicated pronouns yeah. are he him um i think gay is the simplest way to explain my like sexual identity mm-hmm. um i think there's nuance um that kind of goes beyond these bucket terms that we use but i think that's a much longer conversation yeah um, <laughs> and a an, an lifetime journey of self-discovery yes <laughs> 22 but, weeks so far and we're still every episode we're like yeah just a tiny yeah, little touch yeah yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that's too much of a conversation so so. it's yeah. just like we know we all know it's complicated there's no point in trying to like level because it's all different for everyone which is amazing mm-hmm. yeah um but a lot for a pod so yeah. um i think like you know most people who fall somewhere on the spectrum outside of full hetero you kind of you know recognize your feelings at a young age and understand that things are different. Um, for me, that didn't manifest into full coming out until I was like 18. Uh, but I think I fully realized what it was when I was like 11 or 12. And then you have kind of the years of denial, um, Mm -hmm. which for me, I guess were probably based less in internalized homophobia and more into kind of like having to reorganize the image of your future that's been like fed to you by everybody right oh that's super interesting getting married and having kids with a wife and a house and all that stuff kind of feels flipped and jolted in a few ways and i think that that is kind of was like i think there was like a brief period of mourning that um i remember i actually remember distinctly when i was like 
12 or 13, like, look, like looking in the mirror one evening and being like, okay, this is a thing. Like, you're going to have to, like, do some rearranging moving forward mm-hmm. um, and kind of, you know, hop over a few hurdles to feel comfortable with this. Uh, I feel like that's such and, an interesting thing to, like, go through yourself because I think we i feel like we talk about that like you know the the royal we general whatever um yeah that we talk about like other people having to kind of go through that process of like your parents for example like having to rearrange and go through like a period of more that period of mourning you were talking about but i feel like maybe this these are conversations i just haven't been privy to but that's like you know there is totally a a time that you have to reorganize and like refigure totally. out what your life's gonna look like and i feel like maybe that's not as spoken about as much or yeah maybe it's just spoken about differently or is and i just haven't thought about it in yeah that no way i think that's so true <laughs> yeah because you think about the parents kind of period of mourning and like re-understanding what their child's mm-hmm. life's going to be like everything before a certain point of like self realization like everything that you kind of perceive about your future and your life has been kind of there's a trickle down from those people right like their image of your future is your image for your future for a while right like when you're little they're kind of like putting ideas in your head about what it'll look like when you get older and kind of like teaching you about what you know you should do as you grow up um and that kind of becomes what you hope kind of aspire to and many people stay on that track forever um you know many people kind of march along and just do all of the stuff that they were kind of supposed to do always but yeah. the morning is for everyone and I think that it's not even to call it a period of mourning feels feels wrong I guess there's a sense of sadness but it's more of a sense of, sense of uncertainty um, mm. and I think that when we look kind of like prospectively at things that are changing generally right be it like a new job or moving to a new place or kind of shaking something up um, this is a huge thing to shake up obviously but we focus a lot on things that might go wrong or be scary or be sad um, and don't think that much about the things that are going to be a lot better and more exciting. Um, so it's kind of like, it's that pivot uh, that I think for me at that point in my life was like painful and scary, but we all have it and get through it. And it ends up being, you know, it gets better, you know, big giant air quotes. Yeah. Uh, we love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it does, it gets so much better and so much more exciting. But I think that I didn't get to the point of fully coming out until I was, 18, um, I had my first little boyfriend and it felt so real. And I realized that like, I could have this fully realized emotional, sexual adult life um, and really embrace it and run with it. So when you say the point of coming out, that's what you mean? Yeah, like the, 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 point, the point at which I actually like, there was like a full formal disclosure. To, oh, you know, like the turning yeah. point, got you. Yeah, yeah. And I thought you meant, like, like, the point, like, the reason. Oh, oh, the whole purpose. (laughs) (laughs) No. Fuck them, yeah. It's hard to describe the purpose of coming out, I guess, so just you're not so... You're facing yourself, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I think it has... It probably, like, means something different for everybody. Totally. Obviously. Yeah. 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 And, like, will affect people in different ways, but... Yeah. 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 Um... So that was like 18 or 19. And then from then, I think I did, I don't know, like all of us, those like formative years in that early adulthood, things kind of evolved and chugged along and they're still evolving and changing. Um, but it's been great. No regrets. Awesome. <laughs> no regrets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was there a second part to that question? But I forgot. 
I don't think so. I think you kind of touched on most of the things that I asked about. I'm trying to think about, like, because I know you pretty well, so I'm trying to, like, think of (laughs) ways to, like, lead into something without being like, so I know this about you, like, just so you know. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) I know. I, I'm just gonna do that anyway. I guess that's right. Kind of segue. It's gonna be a long learning Slowly. process. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know that you've mentioned before that, like, growing up, your parents had gay friends. Like, their best yeah. friends were gay, right? Yeah. And I know. I think we've talked about that before. Like, how did that, like, seeing them influence you? Did it? Did they influence you at all? How did it influence the way that you thought, like, your parents were gonna take your coming out? Totally. So I think that that's, I think that they are a big reason and having seen their relationship is a big reason why, like, for me, understanding that I, like, you know, was a gay kid um, wasn't so much like a, an internalized homophobia situation, right? Because I didn't really have that, that type of energy around me very much growing mm-hmm. up. Um, and I think that that is because I was so comfortable around um, gay people and gay men already. Like, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it weird me out. It wasn't an unknown um, and it wasn't something that was scary or, you know, or like gross or icky to anybody around me. Um, Will you and that was a, talk just a bit about what you mean of when you say that, like, it wasn't an internalized homophobia thing with you, like, getting yeah. over the hurdles of coming out? Sure. Just kind of spell I think spell with lots of people, yeah, with lots of people and not to, you know, to describe someone's process, but I think it's often, I think it happens regularly that people are hesitant to come out because, um, they have either they've been in a space, um, be it a religious space or a more conservative space or any other you know range of places where to be gay is thought of as really bad um, and like a really negative thing and then and over like a you know be it a sin or just something that's gross or against you know nature or whatever and those feelings kind of can, can pack into somebody um, and people you know people live their whole lives without coming out because of this and really do kind of fear facing that reality. Um, I don't, I don't think that I had that experience of, of learning that gay was bad at any point. Um, so that I think really helped me a lot with, with being comfortable with it in that way, right? Being comfortable with gay as a thing, um, as a thing that I was, wasn't an issue. What was harder to kind of get through was realizing what that meant for myself moving forward in my life. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you too much. <laughs> so I don't know if there was more you wanted to say on the, like, oh, no. um, the so. older, the, like, your parents' friends. Oh, sure. Yeah, so my parents, my parents' friends, um, their closest friends are an uh, older gay couple, I guess close to my parents' age. Um, their names are Michael and Ron. They're so wonderful. And they were around always from when I was, like, a small, small baby. There's a picture of like right after I was born of one of them holding me. Um, they're, they're super close to my family and always have been. So I remember, I remember once when I was like eight or nine, um, I was a really like gay little kid. Like it was obvious. There was no surprise for anybody. Um, <laughs> How did that manifest? <laughs> it was in every way. Okay. I had, from the age of, from the age of like six months, I had a Barbie that I would carry. And if you took it away, I would absolutely lose my mind. Mm. It lasted for a couple of years. Um, a lot of dresses a lot of sequins all my sister's clothes so you were just expressive Um, that doesn't mean you were super expressive totally you are gay yeah i mean that's what it was turns out but you know maybe it was (laughs) (laughs) um and so i remember being like 
like young, like nine or 10 or maybe younger. And my mom saying, Hey, like, if you have anything to tell, uh, Michael and Ron, like, they'd be happy to talk to you about it. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean, mom? There's zero Uh, subtlety to that. Right. Yeah. But looking back, she was just like, you're gay. Like, it's okay. Just tell us. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many things we want to do. Yeah. I just wasn't ready. Um, so everyone was down with it. It was never a problem. Uh, it was just my own like little personal pivot mm-hmm. and that getting over that hurdle of being cool with it and like being cool with what my life would look like uh, and understanding what that was. I think that one one struggle there also is like not really having an image of what that means. You're kind of thrown into this unknown. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all fed like billions of images of images per day of what like a straight life as an adult looks like, but there really aren't that many kind of like gay models of that. Especially, you know, we're talking like 20 years ago. Totally. Um, it just it wasn't really a thing. And it still isn't much of a thing, honestly, but it's better than it was. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things, like, if you're not seeking it out, because, like, all of the media I consume these days is queer as shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're not seeking it out, I mean, I guess yeah. it's not really out there that much. Um, and now we have the option to seek it out, right? Like, back then, you couldn't seek it out. There was no streaming. Yeah. There was yeah. no, like, there was no... I had what I could find at Blockbuster. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> not going to get me too far. Um, yeah. So I guess... Yeah, that's so real. Yeah. So in light of, you know, World AIDS Day having been last week, by the time yeah. this podcast comes out, and this being yeah. HIV AIDS Awareness Month, um, what was it kind of... I mean, what, do you remember there being any conversations surrounding kind of the the HIV AIDS epidem- or epidemic with... Um, Michael and Ron. And Ron. Not not really, okay. but I did. So my um, my grandfather's brother uh, was gay and was HIV positive. Um, so it was like a topic of conversation to a degree. It was never talked about in depth. It was referenced. Like it wasn't said to be like a good or a bad thing, but it was acknowledged. It was a fact. Um, as like a thing, mm-hmm. right? Like this is, a, this is a, a, a part of this man's life. I never knew him very well. He actually died pretty recently. I never knew him very well. I wish I had known him better. I really regret not getting closer to him um, before he passed away. Um, but that was kind of my first, um, I guess, my first kind of, like, understanding of, of this this thing that's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just interested because, like, you know, you said you were born in 89, so you were kind of growing up. I mean, you, you're a 90s kid grew up in the 90s and so you know in the wake of the really the peak of the the AIDS epidemic was kind of yeah you know around those times when you're how did I just phrase that sorry I don't want to phrase it incorrectly but you know it it was around like 10 years after yeah stuff is really believably taking off yeah that you were kind of coming into yourself I mean I just wonder if that ever was something that you were thinking about overtly or yeah, if, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that we all, I, maybe it's like waning for younger, um, you know, the kids coming out these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that at least me kind of coming into my own, there is still this, uh, this undercurrent of fear about this stuff. Um, it's not really understood very well, especially by, you know, like straight parents don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, in the weeds like we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I remember one time, actually, my mom dropped me off at a, a park to meet someone in Seattle, which is like a very queer-friendly city. 
uh, where I grew up, a volunteer <laughs> park up on Capitol Hill. I'm so sorry uh, with the way that you phrased a- that. Like, all I could think of was that your mom dropped you off to go cruising. And I was like, excuse me. Well, so, this is what, so this is kind of where we're going here, right? So she, so she, she drops me off and her, she doesn't, she kind of just like, she's like, please be careful. And I was like, be careful, like, please. <laughs> and I think that part of that may have also, you know, like there's something to that. Like, I think one of the fears that parents have um, and one thing that they have been taught, especially in that time period, was like being gay means you are probably going to get this, this, you know, illness and maybe you'll die, right? Because yeah. um, they, you know, there is not much information. There still is not enough information out there about it. So I think that, that be careful may have been like a more loaded be careful than I thought at the time. Mm. And how old were you at the time? Probably like 12. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but... Mm. Who knows? So how did that affect like your... Those like young formative years too? Because I would assume sure. like... I, was it taught in health classes at all when you were young? Um... And kind of touched on. I remember being in middle school, and they had, they were I mean, three. Not like, not like they talk on it enough now, even. Sure. Know, yeah. Like, <laughs> but it was even touched. It's on. not like they're. Like, yeah. 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 I went to a pretty like like progressive private school, mm-hmm. um, so I think they touched on it more than some places might. And we all, I remember we also had an assembly where three people living with HIV actually came and like presented their life experience. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is like which is like super progressive back then, but also like it, there was something kind of. Like, inside, it, it felt scary at the end. I remember that. I remember feeling like this is, I don't want this, like right? Threatening. There was no, yeah. And it was before, like, the undetectable conversations were really happening. And, like, yeah. um, so it, it, it like seemed, like, scary. Like a... Yeah. They were talking about how hard their lives are. They were talking about how difficult it is. I remember this man talking about how many pills he takes per day and, like, how careful he has to be and how hard this has made his life. Um, and the takeaway, what I, at least, what I felt was, like, okay, like shit don't do that you know like be careful you like don't have science um, yeah right yeah because you're, you're yeah um i hadn't thought about that in a long time so that was i guess another one of my first kind of points of contact for this um so it was taught it was definitely a thing that kind of came up um but mm-hmm. it wasn't i mean the information was less and it was different it wasn't i feel like now um it's like it's less like i don't know it's trying it's being normalized in a way that it hasn't been previously at least to me it's being made less scary i think intentionally Um, yeah and in the right in the in the right way it's not like hey don't worry about it but it's like look this is a thing like you can do the things and be under control and be good Mm -hmm. Um, it was i read a quote yesterday of one person who shared their story on their instagram and like someone else put it on their story so i like found their account but they yeah. posted a quote of someone, I forget who said it, but it was basically just saying, like, living with HIV now is like living with diabetes. Like, you can totally, mm. it's, they're both, vir- like, uh, conditions yeah. that will affect you for the rest of your life. But, you know, as long as you keep it in check, you get yeah. to live a normal, healthy life. Totally. And I didn't know, I, I still didn't know much about it until I was 21 and I was interning in D.C. I just finished college. And I started dating someone and after like the third or fourth date, he disclosed that he was HIV positive. And I was like, so I was like, so taken aback. I couldn't believe it. Right. Which is like, so it's so weird looking back. Um, and I just didn't, 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not. Like, <laughs> yeah. right, I mean, looking back at like where, from where I am now. Too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's pre-prep times, totally. Um, but we were talking and like, you know, like there is intimacy, right? So we were yeah. talking about what this Unfortunately, means. Unfortunately, I feel like that's a very normal response at the time. Absolutely. And, totally. And, and even, still yeah, is for many people. Even now, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that like, I, I think like what I'm looking at is a contrast, I guess, to where I am now 10 years from then about totally. how like that disclosure, I would like that wouldn't even... Um, it'd be, it's a great conversation because it's an important conversation to have, but like it wouldn't dictate anything about how I feel about a person. Um, and that's growth. Yeah, that is growth. And <laughs> at the time, and growth. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Um, but even at the time, like, you know, we still dated, we kicked it, but I just remember being nervous. Um, and, but he was the first person to explain to me, he was like, look, like, I literally can't give this, I can't give this to you. Like, it's not transmissible in his, from his body. Like, he's undetectable, and that kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never, that idea had never, I was interning at the human rights campaign and I, the idea had never like crossed my desk at any point. Um, so it was like a really eye-opening experience that I, looking back, I'm pretty grateful for. You were interning, interning at the human rights campaign and that was the first time you'd still ever really heard about untransmi- untransmissible? Totally. I mean, this is at this point, look, I was thinking about this all today cause I knew we were going to talk tonight about a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And looking back on, I mean, this was 2011 and marriage, gay marriage, marriage was the, like the battle, the headliner, right? We weren't like, what I, what everyone was working on was like marriage equality fight. So mm-hmm. more like in the weed stuff about other like LGBT issues, kind of like, at least from where I was sitting, was kind of sidelined. I'm sure they were working on it somewhere in the building because it's a huge organization that does tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember me being there, I was like, we need to get, you know, gay marriage together. Um, and not even focus on other <laughs> topics. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots changed. And you've worked that's at crazy. like a... Sorry. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Like the, yeah. amount, the amount that the conversation yeah. has completely shifted and like the amount of knowledge totally. that has come out in 10 years. Is... And the conversation's always been there, I think, too. That also partially is like my own growth also, right? I was at this organization and like to me, like HRC meant, you know, the fight for gay marriage. It's kind of like what they were pushing the hardest at the time. Um, but they do a lot more than that. And they've already, this, these conversations aren't like new, but I think they are a lot more like widely spread now. Normalized, yeah. Amazing, mm-hmm. yeah. And you've worked at a few other like LGBT-centered nonprofits, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked that like I don't know the answer, you know? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> my first, well, my first law job, my first um, summer after my first year of law school, I worked at the ACLU the LGBT and HIV project in New York. Isn't that wow. like an insane internship? <laughs> it was like, I didn't even realize at the time how crazy it That's was. Like, like it was really, getting it was a, incredible. Like everybody wants to be at the ACLU. And I didn't even I realize. Like I did. at the ACLU. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it's a pretty amazing place. It's incredible. So one of the cases, I mean, at the time, a case that was kind of working its way through, or I just getting, just getting started. Um, in Alabama, they were separating HIV positive prisoners from the general population because of like fear and stigma and like the fear that it would just become magically transmitted from one person to another. From a toilet and seat. Yeah, right, yeah, from like a, you know, the handle of a door. Yeah. Um, and in doing so, they like limited these people's access to other like rehabilitative services and important things that, you know, prisons purport to provide. You know, that's also a separate conversation. Yeah, that's a whole other um, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... So that, yeah, so I think it actually eventually went up to the Supreme Court and the ACLU, I believe, won. I should double check that. But um, these are the kinds of, that's the kind of shit that's going on to this day is that, you know, the stigma is so serious that yeah. 
this like horrible disparate treatment is still happening. Wow. Fucked. Yeah. So then after the ACLU, I worked at a law firm for a year after law school. We don't talk about it. And then I had a pro bono <laughs> client that I was working with in D.C. called Family Equality Council. Oh, I've heard um, of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, they offered me a job, a full-time job, um, when I was doing pro bono stuff for them. And I was like, yes, get me out of here. I moved to D.C. and then I met Matt. And that's that. Cute little summer internship. <laughs> and that's the end of yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so then from there, I moved back to New York. I well, tell us about Family oh, Quality Council a little bit. Oh, yeah. Family Quality Council is a great organization. Well, about um, your work, like what you did at Family Quality sure. Council. Sure. You don't have I to be the plug a, for your former employer. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was working there as a legislative counsel. So that's a lawyer who works on like, like, bills and legislative stuff so tracking things across the country um family equality council's mission is to kind of facilitate and kind of broaden protections for lgbtq-led families and all the ways that can happen um so i was kind of tracking legislation across the country and in dc and trying to make some regulatory changes and some legislative changes um it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool place it was it's a, it was like a, a small but mighty organization i believe it's grown um significantly since my time there and there was a summer trip to Provincetown for Family Week, the week that I should not have been allowed into Provincetown. <laughs> <laughs> During which I met our friend Matt. Hey. Who was a lovely, a lovely intern who helped me. We helped one another to babysit toddlers every morning. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. I describe it to uh, people as, like, I watch the children in the morning and then I yeah. went and, and then I went out with their dads at night. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you sure did. You sure oh, did. Goodness. It was a great time. I mean, Meredith I think we were there for a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were there for a whole week, um, which was amazing. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. And then I um, put in my notice soon after. He was like, I met Matt. This job can give me nothing else. I'm done. I've done what I wanted to do. Yeah. So what did you do after that? I've done what and who I wanted to do. So (laughs) So check. Um, I moved back to New York and I took a break from lawyering. Actually, I worked at a restaurant for like a year. Uh, I managed Miss Lily's Jamaican restaurant in Soho. If you haven't been, you should certainly go. It was the best job I'll ever have in my entire life. Really? Um, I mean, like, in like a cool person. It's the coolest job I'll ever have in my life. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Um, I was really struggling financially. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But I felt really cool. Um, it was so much fun. I was like the only boy on staff who was like mm. on the floor. So we just kind of like vibed all day. Oh, man, it's so, so much fun. fun. But then I was like, I got to get health insurance again. So... I went went back to lawyering, um, and I I got a job as a staff attorney at Gay Men's Health Crisis in New York. Um, GMHC is the largest and oldest um, provider of social services for people affected by HIV and AIDS. Um, So they're pretty old since 1980, I want to say 81, but so what I did there, what, what the organization does, I guess to toot their horn a little bit, it's a pretty incredible place. What they focus on is like the whole range of, of psychosocial and um, circumstantial things that can make people more susceptible to HIV infection. Um, so this is things like housing stability and access to food and healthcare and treatment and information. Um, they are, they're super holistic. They serve meals to hundreds of people a day. 
Um, it's a really big, busy, crazy place. Uh, one thing I did as a staff attorney, the main thing I did, like 90% of my time, was housing court cases. So, you know, New York's an expensive place. Um, these Most of the clients were, were uh, low or extremely low income. Um, and some struggled to kind of keep a roof over their head. And landlords are very predatory and think of reasons to kind of kick you out. So I was in housing court a lot, just defending people's apartments. Um, people had a really hard time and, you know, just trying to make life a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, really eye-opening, uh, incredibly eye-opening to, to get a better understanding of the the true, at least contemporary narrative of the HIV AIDS crisis, which is very much ongoing. <clears throat> it is not over at all. Uh, I think that's like a, a, a very commonly held misconception is that it's, it's under control. And it's hard, to, I guess it's hard to kind of pair the messaging of like, it's okay, right? Like it's manageable and it's fine with like, it's still totally out of control in many communities and no one's doing anything about it. Um, yeah. But that's kind of where we're at right now, I think in this, in this point in the history of this epidemic. Um, so a lot of people who I met had really, really hard stories and really, really hard um, lives. And I, I guess it's my job to kind of just, you know, facilitate helping to keep at least part of it a, a mm-hmm. little bit easier and more together. Will you talk a little bit about um, what makes the HIV AIDS epidemic still um, very much a thing, still very much alive sure. and roaring? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a question of it kind of going back to the narrative, right? So if you go back to the beginning of the crisis, nobody was paying attention, right? The government didn't, wasn't worried about it. No one was doing anything. Um, it's like a, a bit of a, it's a, it's a COVID parallel in a way, right? You're watching this horrible thing unfold and no one seems to care. Hmm. People started making a lot of noise. Um, certain people, the same people who can kind of get listened to, right? Certain voices. Um, the narrative shifted to wealthier white gay men getting sick. Um, you know, the death of a generation of artists and cultural phenoms, right? This, this still sticks. We still talk about that and that horrible loss. Um, and that was an incredibly effective method to get some attention drawn to this, this horrible problem. And it worked, right? Things started happening. Treatments have progressed. Things have totally happened. And resources are available for certain people um, in certain ways. But for many people, the resources were never there. And it's not things are, are, are getting worse in some communities. If the, the New York Times and the CDC, the CDC did like a, a comprehensive study of HIV infection across the country a few years ago. I think it was 2017. And the Times had like a big write-up about it, a huge article. Um, and there were tons of stats, but the one that stuck with me the most is the fact that in the U.S., currently um, 1 in 11 white, gay, and bisexual men are HIV positive. And at, if current rates continue, the rate for black, it, for black gay, and bisexual men in the country will be one out of two, which is one out of fifty two. Fifty percent of African American gay and bisexual men are to become HIV positive. Yeah, there are I some places in this country mean, where it's already there, like, yeah. and it's not. It's going up in some communities too, and it's just not really. No one's, no one's like stepping up to the plate to help. Um, so the resources have not kind of spread in the way that they have to, to actually get, you know, there's not like equity here with this being kind of, you know, air quotes under control. Cause it's just not. Yeah. And do you think that a lot of that might have to do also with like, 
I mean, I think a lot of it does have to do with like American healthcare system and that's a whole conversation, yeah. Yeah. you know, and with that, there is, you know, access to prep, access to, to PEP for people who don't know prep is pre exposure prophylaxis. It's a once a day pill that you can take that pretty much makes it, I think it's 99.99% effective maybe at stopping that if you're exposed to the HIV virus, your body will reject it. You, you know, you won't catch it. And then PEP is post-exposure prophylaxis. I think you take it, I think it's a three day regimen. Maybe I'm not yeah, sure the yeah. details, um, that you take after you've been exposed. Um, it's a, it's a little bit less ex- effective, but it's, it's still quite effective at, um, rejecting the virus from your body so that you don't, um, can, that you don't end up living with HIV. Um, mm. but so with that, you know, something that I have noticed, I think on these lines is that, you know, all of my friends, all of my gay single friends, and even a lot of my gay, you know, paired off friends are on prep. And a, a common thread between everybody is that they all have health insurance. They all yeah. can afford to pay, you know, a, a f- whatever the, they have to pay at the pharmacy in order to yeah. get it. And it's free with most yeah, be- health insurance. It's free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and without s- health insurance, it's like $3,200 a month or something. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. insane because <laughs> I don't even want to get into it, but yeah. Um, for people who don't have health insurance or for people who have health insurance that doesn't cover it. Cause I don't know if, you know, I don't know what every health, cause we have so many different types of health insurance that, which is another yeah. whole conversation, but yeah. You know, do you th- see that as being like, I mean, it's kind of hard to deny, I would think, but yeah. like, you know, as like a, a larger, more complex issue, you know, if you throw poverty into the mix, you throw um, access to stable jobs, jobs that have health care, because for some reason in this country, we decide to tie health care to your employment status and your job, yep. you know, those are issues that also predominantly negatively affect black people totally and certain communities so that's a big part of it and there there are some like gilead i think will actually you can get like a coupon to yeah. have them help pay for it too mm-hmm. um but gilead's like one of the big producers of you know of prep but there's there's a ton to it i think that you're totally right like a lot of this is just being in a situation in which you feel empowered to seek out this stuff this treatment right be it with information or mm-hmm. your life is in a place where like you can even think about that is in itself like a huge privilege and a luxury, right? Like, mm. you know, if you're seeking out prep, like you're at a, a point of comfort in your life where you're thinking about like casual sex with people, right? Which yeah. is like one of these like, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is not this is not one of like the primary kind of hierarchy of needs conversations. It's super important, um, but you know, planning your sex life ahead in that way is like in itself a big privilege. And I think that lots of people, it ha- has to do with information. It has to do with um, resources. You know there's a lot to it. And I, I don't think that in some communities where it's the worst, like the rural South where these resources just don't exist and they're not having these conversations and homophobia is really rampant and super stigmatized and, and being gay is super stigmatized. Um, it's just not, it's just not even the prep isn't even, I doubt it's even on the table for lots of people. It's not getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, people are working hard to try and fix it. I think there's, I mean, the stigma across the country is also still so bad, which, like, prevents people from getting tested in the first place. Yeah. Like, if you don't even want to know because of how the response will be. Like, tons of states have HIV-specific laws. Like, there are things that you'll have, like, a, a, a stronger sentence because you're HIV positive and did a certain thing. Really? Or, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there are some states that have laws, like, things like solicitation, prostitution, um, certain other sexual acts. Like, if you're HIV positive, your sentence will be that much more intense um, just because of it. It's a thing. Oh, my goodness. I believe, I believe actually, most up. states have HIV-specific um, laws in the books that, like, like HIV-specific penalties on the books. Wow. Yeah. I, had, I did not know that. It's a mess. Yeah. It's, um, it's so But fu- that also plays into it. Yeah. I was to say, it's right. so funny because, like... <laughs> Even, like, as a first-year law student in, like, my torts class, which is basically, like, personal injury one, um, they, like, briefly in, like, one case talk about, like, um, you know, something kind of along those lines, like a higher sentence for someone who um, was, has, like, a communicable disease, I think is basically what it ends up being. Yeah. And they, the way that they talk about it, basically, it's just like, oh, well, like, you know, if someone intentionally spreads a communicable disease, that's a crime. And then they just move on. Yeah. It's you know? nuts. It's just, people it's, are in prison for this. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a thing to this day. People are in jail, um, which is, I mean, it's, it's sick. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, obviously like, like most like, you know, penalties, they're enforced in like a super racist and horrifying way. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this, what was that case? This Tiger Mandingo case. I'm going to get the details of it wrong. Um, but there was this, he was a college wrestler and he had sex with a few people. He was black. The partners were all white. Um, they found out he was HIV positive. I don't think he actually even transmitted it to anybody, but like the fear was so bad that he ended up going behind bars for a while. What? Um, yeah. I actually yeah. remember that case. Remember this? I forgot what state it was in. Um, but, like, the jury deliberated for, like, no time. They were, like, mostly white, too. And he was, like, in jail for a minute. So hard it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's very much a thing. So, you know, there's layers to this stuff. And, like, that kind of situation, seeing that, like, why would you even want to know if you were, if, you know, mm-hmm. like, you wouldn't get tested because, like, shit. Yeah. Because now suddenly, if you know, like, now you're knowingly doing this. Now you're going to jail if you do this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's so interesting to to look at that side of it because, you know, you have that one very real, very valid view and uh, side of, you know, the queer community who kind of live in that reality where, you know, like knowing could potentially be worse in some regards. And then you compare that to other facets you know people who are on prep who are some of the people who are getting the most regularly tested the people who are like literally least likely to contract the disease and you know having those two communities being one community in a sense is very uh it's a weird balance of like you have both extremes somewhat interacting with each other or like being subjected to the same uh, I'm not really sure how to phrase that part. But, um, well, it's like whatever's working for one group is certainly not working for the other. Right. Like, it's just not. So, and I, I, I like, 
it's, I mean, there are experts. I'm not going to, I'm not an expert on this, obviously, but there are like experts who are working on this, but I think it's just a super nuanced thing. And like, you have to kind of get your boots on the ground in these parts of the country and try to figure out how to Mm -hmm. get all the information out and to fight back against like these, these, it's, it's most like, it's worse than like the rural South, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't know how you even, like, I'm not, I'm new to the South, but I don't know. I don't know what it'd be like to even try to approach that here. I don't know. There were people at, at GMHC, there were clients who found out they were positive in other parts of the country, and some of them like would hop on buses to go to New York because they knew that they would get more services there. Um, wow. More, and more help, yeah. I mean, New York has like specific funds set aside for people who are living with HIV um, for housing, et cetera, that you could like, we would tap into with clients to help them keep their apartments. Wow. So they're doing something. Because they understand that like, you know, like housing insecurity, all this stuff plays into someone's vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Damn. So from your point of view, like, what do you think? I mean, I would imagine there are a lot of different answers to this question. Um, From your point of view, what do you think the first step is into, like, creating a better world? Sure. And, like, in this regard? Yeah. Yeah. I think the... Yeah. I think the most important thing to do here would be to shift the narrative like in a broad sense right and kind of like stop thinking of hiv as like a fancy rich white gay man disease um do even, you think people even, still think that that's the case i think so. i think so i think that's like i think like you think of like the normal heart right like mm-hmm. every like film or portrayal of this is like it's almost always a white gay man um almost always i mean even in the conversations that i was hearing a lot yesterday which are not necessarily false but the conversations of saying like oh we're missing like an entire generation of lawyers artists everything like that like that totally is in itself centering i mean 100 percent. yeah yeah right and that's like like, i've never thought of that before this conversation i've literally never thought of it like that but it's so true people think it's so sad that you're missing all these people but it's like what about just like you're missing just a bunch of people like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be sad because you you perceive their value right which is like inherently tied to their whiteness Mm -hmm. which is like inherently tied to the reasons why they were culturally influential right like they they carried this weight or like they were perceived to have the potential to carry this certain weight in society because of who they were and other people don't have that same perceived value and their deaths very clearly to people don't matter because they're still happening um So I guess it's a two-part thing, right? It's, like, shifting the narrative um, to understand that, like, black and brown people are still very much dealing with this and always have been. And then I guess the second part of the narrative, which is, like, an ongoing battle that's raging in many ways, is to also, like, center black and brown lives and, like, understand the importance of them um, and, and the value that they, have, they carry, um, you know. So, so those people are also seen as being, you know, important for our society and our culture, um, which I think is is shifting in a way that it hasn't in a long time. Um, but I think those two things together could maybe move the needle on this. Do you see the like recent uproar in the like the Black Lives Matter movement having any sort of positive impact on the the fight against HIV stigma? I mean, that's I think a so. huge I think that, question. Yeah. <laughs> it's a massive question, yeah, but so such a good one. That's like, such a good one. I think it. I think it has to, um, especially the especially the people in the Black Lives Matter movement who are especially mindful of being super inclusive, right? To say, like, Black lives means Black trans lives, Mm -hmm. means Black HIV-positive lives, 
means black disabled lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if, if the movement really does genuinely mean what it's saying and include everybody, then I think it definitely could actually play a role um, in shifting this narrative. Because that is, I mean, that's like where it's the worst is within the black community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But we'll see. I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. it has a huge question, and um, yeah, you know, I, I guess we'll see as as things change. But you know, we gotta yeah. gotta keep our. But that's how it goes with with every with every kind of um, not even illness, but like difficult circumstance. I think it hits certain communities harder, and certain communities are like allowed to kind of wallow in it for a long time. Um, be it hunger, poverty, illness, anything. Um, People just don't. The the decision makers and people with the resources just do not care, in the same way. Yeah, and that's what's so hard. Like the I think the New York Times headline for that big long article I, that I would reference earlier was like America's hidden HIV epidemic, but like it's only hidden because like the people who are you know writing the news don't give a shit. Yeah, right. The people yeah. who are legislating just don't care. It's not hidden at all. It's just ignored. Yeah. It's killing millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like there was there like thousands of people died in the South of HIV related illnesses last year, which is or in that twenty seventeen, which is absurd. Absurd. Because it doesn't it doesn't have to happen. It just doesn't have to happen. Not one person mm-hmm. has to die from that. But they're just being neglected. Um, yeah. Like full stop. Yeah. I do kind of want to jump back to like the the thing that you said before, Aaron, just because I wonder if there's like a a good way to phrase it that kind of has that same impact. The the thing that you said about, um, you know, we lost an entire generation of like lawyers and artists and that kind of thing. I wonder if there because I, I see that a lot, I've seen that a lot before, too. And I wonder if there is a way to phrase that so that it has that impact that that original phrasing kind of does but doesn't kind of center kind of like more white or whiter communities or center like higher class i don't even want to say that but like you know wealthier communities you know yeah i don't know maybe if we figure it out we'll uh we'll put it yeah that's hard i mean it's hard (laughs) i feel like it's just like we've lost 35 million people or yeah, that, that should be enough, right? Like, mm, yeah. shouldn't that be enough for people to really kind of, like, get their shit together? Um, We've but lost it's just so a generation sad. of people, and we're in the process of losing another generation of, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same thing. It's, like, like when, when a, a black person is killed by police, like, it's presumed that they're, like their portrayal of the media is that their life didn't actually have any value. They were just killed, right? They have to really make a proactive effort to kind of, like, establish value for this person. Like, oh, they were, like, mm-hmm. a leader in their church. Or they were mm-hmm. doing this, that, and the other, right? You have to, like, really go the extra mile to like, be like, oh, no, 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 like, they shouldn't have died. Yeah, they worked right? so hard in school. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, well, that's they not... were just also, like, fucking 17. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were yeah, a, a human like, being with inherent exactly. value and worth. <laughs> the, it's the lack of inherent value. So until, like you know, people really do feel like a human being actually has an inherent value, the numbers might not do the trick, which is, like, so horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that, like, Americans, A, can't grasp 
what large scale death really means no. in terms of numbers. Yeah. And if, I mean, if there's anything that we have learned from the last like 25 years or so of school shootings is that other people dying doesn't make a difference. Just people don't actually care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like a tremendously, the, I think that the same kind of like the, you know, the bootstraps mentality, which is like a total falsehood and doesn't actually the work American for dream. Yeah. yeah, that's just it's just actually bullshit, and everyone's pretty miserable. But <laughs> it makes it's, it's, it just resulted in this like this horrifically selfish culture that we've seen. Like it has reared its head so horrifically over the past four years, and especially this year. Yeah, it is so. It is. It's it's mind blowing. Um, yeah. But until that shit changes, like I don't know what's going to happen or what to do. And I think that I mean, I, it's so sad to feel kind of helpless. Um, but like a bunch of people have to care and they're just not. Yeah. Yeah. It's that individualist mindset. Totally. Which is just not a productive or happy way to exist. Yeah. <laughs> Messy. Wow. This has been an uplifting. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's going to be a really great episode. Really happy. It's really interesting though. It yeah, is. It's, really it's a very, like very important conversation. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm learning so much. Yeah. Dang, that was, yeah. There's been some great questions. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen yeah. with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of jumping back to what I was saying before, just like my final thoughts on it. I do think it is really important to note two things. One that, you know, when we do have these conversations about like the HIV AIDS epidemic, it is important to note that like it wasn't just queer people who were affected by it and who are affected by it. Um, you know, it, it, anybody can get it. There are plenty of people who are not part of the queer community who were lost. Um, Yep. And, the, still, yeah, like, and our GMHC only GMHC serves like I think it's like fifty percent of people are gay men and everyone else is not. Um, so it's all kinds of people are involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as this is a queer focused podcast, and you know, we're gonna talk about it a little bit. I think I saw something today that was kind of like you know a lot of the reason why. Or an, an idea that, like, you know, a lot of the reason why queerness might seem like it's kind of like a young fad or, like, it's something that only, like, there's so many new queer people these days is because we finally are having an older generation coming into themselves to show, like, widespread queerness to younger kids who are able to, you know, come out. Whereas, you know, if we hadn't lost all of the queer people that we did in the 80s and early 90s this yeah. this could have happened 20 years ago and, and this, i mean that, that 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 yeah that and goes top, back to like the oh sorry go for it i was going to just say like on top of that, like <laughs> what you were saying earlier is also like the widespread access to media like we don't all have to That's just go to the thing. blockbuster to like yes, to exactly. see that it's yeah. like it can be an option like you can be you can be 12 years old and listening to this podcast right now i'm being like oh my god wow like yeah, that's exactly that the exact same thing. It's like the, the the uncertainty around your future is probably less now because you can see what it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I didn't even, I couldn't think of, I can't, I mean, I had the, the family friends of mine were an example, but that was just one, so. Yeah. Yeah. But even, like, even now, like looking at older, like looking at older like gay, like black gay role models, like in life, <laughs> like I can think of like RuPaul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought we were talking about role models. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fracking? No fracking. Yeah, <laughs> she's an American dream girl. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
But that's like it, right? Like I don't know, like older, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Billy Porter I'm probably missing someone who'd be very offended if they heard this. Billy Porter, good example. Both of whom are married to white men. Yeah, yeah. Also worth noting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have one over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's we can unpack that too in a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do you want to switch over to some like happier things? Maybe we could. Yeah. You know, Austin, what or was befo- the... before oh, we yeah. before we switch off, Austin, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in that vein of anything? Sure. I mean, you said um, you were running through topics earlier, so I'm curious. I was thinking about so one. I guess this could also be a soapbox moment. I didn't want to jump the gun. Preach, girl. It'll 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 (laughs) wrap the conversation. Yeah. All right. Let's get it. So it's an organization that comes to mind um, Mm. that actually have served on the board on for a couple years. Wow. Okay, (laughs) Miss Trustee. I'm I'm phasing out currently, but I've been a part of it. Um, It's called Visual Aids. They're based in New York, um, and what they do is they support artists who are living with HIV and AIDS, and also kind of keep the works of those who have been lost to HIV and AIDS alive. Oh, wow. um, and it's really incredible. They, it, it's, it's not in the, when you're thinking of artists, it's not just like in these big headliner kind of marquee artists. It's also like anyone can be an artist member as long as you make art, right? So it's also some, like, people from around the way who like are just make art sometimes and love to be a part of the community. Wow. But what they what they're mindful about, what's really incredible about them, is that they're really thoughtful about um, centering like black and brown voices and people who have kind of been excluded from the narrative so far just so the experiences of these groups become more kind of like widely understood i love Um, that and it's a great it's like a great push in the direction that we're talking about yeah visual aids yeah they're great they will be linked in the description of this episode absolutely better be yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome they actually invented the so the little like red ribbon Oh, wow. That was them a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. Pretty sweet. That's kind of like the symbol for World AIDS Day, is it not? It is, yeah. It's always taken off as like the whole symbol for it now. Yeah. Random tangential question, but is that, do you think that that, I've always thought it was so interesting that it's like every big, I mean like World AIDS Day is like AIDS is a red ribbon, breast cancer is like a pink ribbon. Pink, yeah. And I'm just like, where did? Do you think they are the ones that started the, the ribbon? like the ribbon thing? Oh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, the you know black. I'm not sure. Have, have started all the trends, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. It would add. It would track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Okay, so we'll I actually just research. oh, I actually just googled it, and apparently, oh my God, it's so crazy that we have all of the answers to every question <laughs> yeah. that we could have ever asked. Why do we ask anything? <laughs> well, so it says the first ribbons that were represented as meaningful objects in history were the tokens given to knights during the Middle Ages in Europe. <laughs> okay, okay, but you know, I think there's you know yeah. probably. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So. Probably some, some other call, things. Colonizers but. invented it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So. Oh, would you look at this? Visual AIDS Artist Caucus is mentioned right in the third paragraph of the history on the Wikipedia cool, page. Cool, amazing. Look at Hilarious. that. Yeah, they're really amazing. Yeah, I, I'm, look, I'm just going to say it seems like AIDS-related things kind of brought it to the forefront. All right, that's what it is. We're going to popularize see. the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um all right austin oh and wow 
the first, the only picture is a, a person wearing a red ribbon to raise awareness in its support of AIDS. That mm. makes it official. Mm-hmm. Well. It's the <laughs> um, before we go on, is there anything else that you want to talk about in general? Not that I can think of. Should there be? No. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, Austin. Um, what is the gayest thing you've done this week? Okay. Um, I I went to go look at a house. Oh. Which is crazy because it's a little tiny yellow house, and my boyfriend and I went in and then came home, and he made a three D model of how we could renovate it. Um, to oh my god, like, I need to date an architect. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> Um, so that was like a pretty gay experience. And we also got a tiny dog recently <laughs> to so match you have our the biggest giant dog, dog on the face of the planet and the smallest dog. And the smallest one. And it looks, it's the tiny dog is like, I carried around like a little like, like Paris Hilton with Tinkerbell <laughs> in the early 2000s. Oh my God. That's been a pretty gay thing I've done this week. Um, what Wait, what, tell us what kind of dogs you have. <laughs> I need some more we have, info. We have, yeah, there's, there's one Harlequin Great Dane who weighs in around 135 pounds. Uh, His name is Leo, and we recently acquired a six-month-old miniature dachshund who is currently about seven pounds. Oh, my God. Who's named George. <laughs> and they're great friends so far. They're getting closer every day. I mean, is, um, is George, like, the size of one of... What's the... Sorry, what's the big dog's name? It's Leo. Leo. He's smaller than Leo's head, like, by a lot. Is he, like, wow. the size of one of Leo's poops? Like, <laughs> but, uh, Honestly, yeah. Like it's, he's really small. It's a, it's such a joke watching them together. Wow, That's yeah. so funny. But it's it's really funny and I'm, cute. Is it like watching They're an really elephant great. and a mouse play? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean this this little wiener dog is like a little ferret when I walk it around. <laughs> oh I feel, my I feel ridiculous after having this like mini horse on the end of a leash for so long. <laughs> it's barely it's even really a mini cute. horse. That's like a yeah. horse. He's like really fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> And people, oh, like, stop God. their cars and yell out the window. Yeah. It's fun. That's so funny. Oh, well, good thing God. you have a yard now. Oh, my gosh. Thank God I you know. left New York. We don't, we don't have a yard yet, but it's a much easier to get outside. Yeah. We have little balconies. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. So if you ever, if Mardi Gras ever happens again and you want to come down and throw some beads at somebody. Oh, my God. Don't tempt me. Well, I'm, I'm your guy. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't offer that if you don't mean it. Yeah, well, because I will be in Atlanta next year, assuming there isn't another pandemic. Yeah, it's so, a quick drive. Yeah, it's a. I think it's like eat it. Don't even say that. Yeah. Look, I'm just trying to be realistic. It's just yeah, it's, we've been through enough. We just know what happens uh-huh. now. Um, so I will be there. I think it's like an eight-hour drive, but I made the drive in a day. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course it's a day drive, but like I'll be there. Yeah, just roll so, through. I drove from Atlanta to Austin in one day. Ooh, that's too far. <laughs> How that long was, was that? 17 hours. Nope. That's awful. Yeah, that, oh, was, a, that was a rough move. We should have You didn't want to break we it sh- up? Yeah. We, sh- we should have stayed in New Orleans, but we were like, let's uh-huh. just get to Austin. We just want to go to Austin. It'll be uh-huh. fun. It was just for fun? I was When I was moving across the country. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Oh, like a little blip. Where did you move from and to? You were in from LA. New York to L.A. And you drove it? Yeah, I had to, I had to get all my cool. stuff out. Yeah, and it was yeah, fun. Yeah. It was fun. That does sound like, fun. Stay with friends in each city. So we stayed with friends in Austin. So it was like... Cool. Left Matt and stayed with different friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was good. How fun. Wait, didn't you do it twice while you were moving out? I did it 
when I moved to LA the first summer in 2016, yeah. but I was only here for the summer. So I like drove out with my friend and then flew back. And then I, okay. when I moved here summer 2019, I drove across too. So, okay. uh, for anyone listening, I recommend driving across the country and take your sweet fucking time. Like <laughs> take three weeks. It's so, it's yeah. so cool. New Orleans was like one of my favorite cities. I could absolutely live there. It's a pretty cool place. I think if I were to move across the country, I would 100% drive and take at least two weeks to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sounds so fun. All of mm. Texas, Colorado, Utah. Yeah. Ugh, so like places great. that you have no real reason to go unless you're like rolling through. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I want to go to yeah. Montana. <laughs> like, yeah, so badly. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway. I'm Matt. I want to go to the Badlands oh. really bad. Sorry. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That, that could be the Canada. new end, podcast ending question. Where in America do you want to go that you would have never uh, thought you would have wanted to go? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't want to leave this hellhole we call a country, where would you, uh-huh. where would you want yeah. to go? Sorry. It's like so bad. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. We're back. Matt, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Um... Well, let's see. I'm still in... I start finals. By the time this podcast comes out, I will have taken three finals in four days. Four days? Five days, maybe. I think it's four days. Uh, yeah, it's going to oh. be rough. Um, so I've mostly just been studying, but I did actually... Oh, this fits perfectly with what we talked about today. I did go to the doctor yesterday and get all of my test tests in oh yeah yes. so i'm Good whole panel whole panel gonna know my status that's great so that's my responsible gay thing yeah um, oh maybe a pretty gay thing was i was in the shower and i was just kind of like picking at my nail polish a little bit just to uh-huh. give it that kind of like edgier like oh it's like chipped kind of look uh-huh. you know and that's a screamo kid if you didn't know okay yeah yeah yep yeah. Thank you. I, yes. Oh, I've heard. Yes, yeah. it's it is, yeah. is a fact. Um, it's a brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not a crisis. Um, so I'll say that's pretty gay. Maybe like really over, yeah. overthinking my uh, nail polish look, especially because the only people that are going to see it are my parents and my sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was after okay, I went that's all to, we got. Yeah, this was after I went out in public for the first time in who knows how long, so. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I think I think those are the gay things I did this week. Um, those are pretty good. Yeah, those are good. Aaron, what is the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I did this week was look at my Spotify Wrapped. Oh, same. Oh, oh yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. now they immediately posted yeah. mine too. Yeah. Like, so if you're matter. not interested in this, skip forward twenty minutes. Because <laughs> 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 this is a gay holiday. Was it Lady so Gaga, Ariana, Dua Lipa, <laughs> Kim Patras? Like who? <laughs> <laughs> it's really nah. incredible. Okay, wait. Who are your guys' top artists? Megan Just... Thee Stallion. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> love her i saw the oh my god i saw the funniest tweet that was like it was it was a series actually it was like timothy chalamet is older than megan the stallion no (laughs) he's not or they're the same age or something like they're they're at least the same age and then someone responded and was like they even have the same middle name God, that, that's so stupid. Fee. Wait, that's really funny. <laughs> that is really funny, but so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so stupid. It's so oh my funny. Gosh. Oh, and I'm looking at Megan. Wait, who are your top artists? 
Um, mine was Maggie Rogers. Oh, great. Love her. After that, I had some, vibe. like, emo. I didn't have any, like, mm. super stereotypically gay. Although I would say Maggie's, like, sad girl gay. Yeah. Megan's only 25. Wow. Good for her. Imagine being 25 with an ass like that. <laughs> Wait, her name is Megan Pete? Huh. Like P-E-E-T? Oh. P-E-T-E. Timothy's technically younger, but they're only a they're nine like months. Yeah, they're like eight months apart. Okay, it's not like it's okay. I'm gonna pretend I didn't know the dates and just say they're the same age because they're like basically the same thing. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Um, it's a pretty gay thing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I had any like super duper like stereotypical gay. Oh, I had Gaga as number five. That was it. Oh yeah, of course. There you go. But I think I had Tanache. Ooh, love Tanache. Mm. Mine wasn't really actually that guy. Well, who was, was number one? Chelsea Cutler was my number one, and she I, is I would say queer. So I don't know. I don't know about. Oh, you person. should listen to her. You'd like her. I'm actually, I say that. I say this knowing absolutely nothing about your music taste, but I'm like everyone will like her. Maybe I would. Was how far is the jump from Megan the Stallion? Really <laughs> fucking far. I kind of. <laughs> Really I mean, far. I kind of figured, given the name. Yeah. Yeah. She's a lot yeah, closer to Maggie. I'm gonna, oh, that sounds like a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. What was your top song? Mine? Yeah. <laughs> it was Like That by Doja Cat featuring Gucci Mane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine was Boss Bitch by Doja. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Similar energies. Oh, yeah. I could appre- yeah, that's fun. Mine I was, needed what to was yours? a lot in the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to kind of get through it. It's so good. Um, mine was "Falling Water" by Maggie Rogers. Yep, I'm gonna listen to it. It's it, so good. It's so good. Oh my god, my friend. Yeah, I'm writing this down too. Um, friend of the pod, Jack, who is an who is our very first guest, told me the. Fun, he, I hope he doesn't get alumni mad. of the pod. Yeah, he's. I don't even know if he still listens, so I'm gonna have to bully him. But. I don't think he does. Yeah, what a dick. Um, he <laughs> got really drunk one time and was hooking up with some guy, and like they were like playing music or whatever. And he stops the guy like mid whatever. I was like, oh my god, can you put on "Falling Water" by Maggie Rogers right now? And I was like, a chore. And the song played, and it's like. If it's, like, someone you've been with for a long time, sure, that's cute. If it's, yeah. like, a one-night stand, it's kind of like, this is, like, what the fuck are we listening is it like, to? Is it kind of like a, like, a, like, a, like an intimate, like, we're making it's love It's very songs. intimate, we're making love songs. Oh, yeah. that's not the right energy. That's <laughs> no, not the right no. energy. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the other person was probably like, is this boy about to, like, propose? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dang, we talked for two days on Scruff, and now we're here. <laughs> that's a, oh, my God. Oh, wow. Maybe we should start no. doing this as like the instead of the gayest thing you did this week. Like, what was your Spotify rap? It's a great follow up question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good follow up. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Or just like your song right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Awesome. Like, what is what your you, song right now? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, um, it's. I mean, it's most of Megan Thee Stallion's new album. Mm, body, body, um, loving body. Mm. Um, there's a couple that are really great. I forgot the names of them. I can't mess up the voice note. Um, <laughs> but anything Megan Thee Stallion. Okay. okay. Aaron, what about you? Yeah, What's your been, song right now? Oh, sorry, Austin. What were you saying? I'm trying to start running again, and she's, like, getting me going out there. Yeah. Oh, I have getting, to. Getting a, little, getting a little thick this year. <laughs> Don't stop. 
working out to that, don't that, stop is so good. Yeah, it's mm. so good. Uh, and the so video good. was so fucking cool. So good. She's everything. She really, she really yeah. is. A vision. Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I, and a vision. Yeah. True. When I was running over the summer, I got really into listening to like circuit party mixes. That'll do it. <laughs> that got me freaking going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I was like running, like, oh, this is so much fun. I'm getting such a good workout. I feel like I should be like shirtless and surrounded by thousands of other gay beds. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so this is kind of weird running through the woods by myself. With your poppers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Aaron, what's your song at the moment? Um, My biggest song that I'm on right now, Matt, you'll actually love this. You should actually check it out. It's by Jaden, who is an ex TikTok star turned musician, but he's like, it's kind of like a new age, like, Mayday Parade vibe. Ooh. But he's like, he's like a young kid, but he's like, a, it's like very angsty pop rock music, but it's good. I, I'm sold. Yeah. Uh, Angels and Demons and So What. Okay. But it's JXDN. Of course. JXDN. Of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's I popping off. He's going to blow up. All right. Ooh. Okay. What about you, Matthew? So I have a couple things that are the moment for me right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's um, <laughs> ready. <laughs> Pulls for out some, his shopping yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, pulled up, I just pulled up my Spotify to see what I've listened to recently. Uh, so I've been studying and like listening to like video game soundtracks. And this video game called um, Ori and the Blind Forest. Been loving that album. If you don't have to study, you don't need to listen to it. But if you, <laughs> I, I want everyone's face right now except for Matt is looking confused. It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> I, I I listen to it and I'm like, what's this is awesome. Like, How did you get into video game soundtracks? I want to know more about that. Oh, it's just like the so apparently they're like made for you to like stay focused and energized oh, okay. on something because yeah. they want you to play the video game as long as possible. Sure. Um, makes a lot of sense. So people Wait, listen that's to like so interesting. Yeah, I mean that's the the if it's I mean, not true, it's the lie I've been told. It makes so, sense. I, it that does makes make sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. If they hired a psychologist to design rugs in casinos to make you spend more money, yeah. they definitely hired yeah. a psychologist to desi- to sound design games to make you fucking stay focused yeah. as long as possible. Yeah. But I've never thought of that. Yeah. So I've been listening to Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> Okay. It's, right. it's kind of cute. It's like it's like woodlandy. It's got a little bit like of like Irish Scottish vibes too. Like Zelda. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't stop listening to the song "Linger" by the Cranberries for like three days Love in a row. Song. <laughs> Love that song. <laughs> so that's <laughs> Jesus Kogas. Yeah. So those have been my moments. <laughs> that's a moment, girl. Yeah, it's been a lot. Um, so. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Things are not. Okay. T- these are not going normally in my. It's camp. not a typical year. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a typical year. It's not a typical like moment or like That's not length of moments. But we're here. We're good. So. It's fine. All right. <laughs> We've been rambling for a little while, but um, Austin, thank you so much for joining us today. This was of so course. This was so fun. Thank you. Um, do you have any parting words of wisdom or organizations you want to plug? Um, visual aids for sure. Check mm-hmm. them out. We already plugged them. Um, you know, one, if you're just 
want to check out some more organizations once you're at it. <laughs> sure. Gay Men's Health Crisis is really great. GMHC.org. Um, donate. They could use as much money as possible. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Um, and if people want to find you on social media slash if you want to be found on social media if you, if you want, want to be found yeah if you want to up that follower count or not you know <laughs> <laughs> there's not much to see on it besides like pictures of like what i'm eating or like my big dog puppies <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can definitely say a, i bet a lot of our listeners want to want to see the big dog okay great okay great i'm at blaston b-l-a-h-s-t-e-n <laughs> i love that we'll, we'll see you there <laughs> we'll see you there <laughs> That's so good. Oh my God. Aaron, where can everybody find you? You can find me everywhere at Aaron Idelson. And you can find me on Instagram at Maddie Roar. And you can find this podcast on Instagram at Queering the AirPod. Uh, if I do say so myself, the Instagram has been popping. So, like, it has been. You can, <laughs> so, you can say so yourself. Yeah, because I spend fucking hours working on graphics every week. Oh, so, okay, great. so go, go check like, it like, out. Bomb it. <laughs> but it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, and if you enjoyed awesome. this episode, remember to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and give us five stars on the iTunes store. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Again, and huge thank you to Austin. Huge thank You're you to welcome. Austin. Thanks for having me. This it was, was so, so much fun. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for all of your wisdom. Yeah.